You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 159, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. that's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Nine-Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, brother? Mike, every day is a good day to be alive. Everything is delicious. Thank you for asking. My tots are delicious, which I... I'm late to this podcast because I spent time getting them out of the oven, and you can suck it. I just told you, when I when I found out there were tots involved, I backed off relentlessly calling you before the show, which I normally so. would do. Does that mean you're going to be eating all show? No, they're cooling right now, but I did the f- on one of them, and it was good. So today, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be doing the second part of our usual two-part preview series of the Eagles and Washington showdown on Sunday. Of course, episode 158 dealt with the Washington offense and the Eagles defense. Today, we're going to flip sides. We'll be talking about the Eagles offense against the Washington defense. First, some house cleaning. Actually, there there was something that I saw today, and I I was wondering if you were interested or had thoughts, because I hadn't really caught up with this player in a while, other than some weird clips on the timeline. It's being said that uh, David Johnson, running back for the Cardinals. It's not a lock for him to be back in Arizona. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it's not been his 2016 form. By the way, his 2016 form, some of the best running back Healthy. tape I've watched. So that would be nice if he could get back to that. But he's been a little bit banged up. And then this year, he's kind of taken a backseat to Kenyon Drake, who they traded for for fifth rounder earlier on in the season. Ben, any interest in David Johnson? Have you watched? You, I know you've watched the Arizona offense. Have you seen David Johnson? What happened? Right. Well, well, okay. So yeah, so David Johnson's a, a huge back with who is predicated on good fluidity, surprising, like, you know, like, like flexibility and agility for his size, and he could finish runs, he could run away from cats. After the injury, the fluidity is not there as much, it seems. And so it's harder for him to get outside of the tackle box successfully. It's worth noting that the season previous, not this Cliff Kingsbury season, but the Mike McCoy season, David Johnson very famously never left the tackle box as a product of design. He was ran exclusively yeah. between the numbers, uh, and it was not to his benefit. So this is a player who was successful at winning in space because he was surprisingly agile for his size. Then between the tackles, he was a fine runner, whatever. Kingsbury comes in, and with five-man surfaces, ten personnel, David Johnson just has not been running successfully. I don't know if he needs lead blockers in front of him, uh, if he needs... Uh, you know, if he's going to be more successful, you know, in, in, in different system running from different launch points, whatever it is, but like Kyler Murray and four receiver spacing should make life so easy on a running back. And it just hasn't mm. chase Edmonds when he was healthy, was more effective than David Johnson. And then Kenyon Drake comes in as a trade acquisition. He's been more effective than David Johnson. So now the fact that it, he's no longer valuable for Arizona makes a lot of sense. If 
you're going to have a running quarterback like Kyler Murray in the space that that offense offers you. You don't need to be spending big time money on a running back. I get it. Mm-hmm. Is Johnson fully healthy? If so, then somebody should be able to figure out how to get good play out of this kid. He's a tremendous young runner. If not, then it might be Jay Ajayi. You know, he journeymans around and teams when they need a running back grab him. But he's not somebody you consistently trust on to be a running back one because you're worried about him not being healthy long term. So I know like I don't I know that he is surprisingly ineffective for a system that's been really friendly to the running game, mm. which like Kingsbury oh, air raid passing. Go look at Arizona's running stats. They've been running the ball like crazy and yeah. very successfully. So it's surprising and disappointing for those of us who really liked David Johnson as a player. The other thing people say is, well, moving wide receiver. He's 6'2", 200. He took a ton of wide receiver reps from 2015 to 2000. A ton. Like, he's yeah. pretty good at it, too. I, like, I haven't watched enough of his most recent film, mostly because it's been bad and there's no reason to watch it. I haven't watched enough of it to say this is why he's not good. This is what he's been struggling with or whatever. But from what I can tell, the injuries sapped some of the explosiveness and some of the fluidity. And other players are better in space than he is right now. Yeah. So the Eagles are going to bring in David Johnson. And 2017 me is going to jump for joy. Because, uh, well, I mean, we got good news on the running back front. Anyway, Jordan Howard was back, you know, limited practice, everything like that. And speaking of the injury report, let's let's dig into what the Eagles got going on. Because... They have a new addition to the injury report that I had not seen before today. Ronald Darby, that's Friday, limited practice, dealing with the hip flexor. That's, I mean, I don't know if it's bad or good news, depending on if you've watched Darby recently. He has not been good. He's been toasted up just a little bit, but it is news, and he is someone who does have the speed. If he's not biting on the intermediate stuff or a double move or whatever, that can kind of keep pace with Terry McLaurin, who's definitely a burner, Ben your thoughts on that it's bad i mean like darby's not playing well but if you're just gonna sit and cover two cover three which is the strategy that i would endorse and the strategy that was successful late against the giants darby's the player you want short zones darby's good you know if if he like you know we've talked about his issues overlapping in deep zones and and running those 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 rotating coverages and understanding his new responsibilities but if you're just traditional zone dropping darby's that's where he's at his best it hasn't always been would have previously said man coverage was at his best (laughs) this season I would say zone coverage (laughs) as a bit of a default. So it's bad news. Now, silver lining, if having to start a different corner means that you're running more traditional zone and maybe taking less risks, and man, good deal. Mm. I'm worried about that because I'm assuming it's Rasul Douglas starting on the outside. Mm. And when it's Rasul Douglas starting on the outside, they're going to want to put him in man coverage. And that's what they typically do, and that's what he does successfully. Rasul Douglas played a man coverage against Terry McLaurin in week one. Anybody remember that football game? I remember that football game. So if there's no Darby again, and now it's Rasul starting on the outside, then you got to be able to give Sewell safety help against McLaurin, or you got to be able to sit in cover two, because Sewell can't run with him. Sewell can't run with sub 4-4 players. Sewell's a 4-6 player. You're asking for trouble. You got to know your players and understand how to deploy them. Uh, so potentially you're coning, right? Potentially you're running. We talk about the cover six that the Eagles like to run when they want to double a speedster, safety over the top, corner in the flat, everywhere else is playing quarters coverage. That makes a lot of sense uh, for this sort of a circumstance. Let's not forget with both Paul Richardson and Trey Quinn out for this game, mm-hmm. the Redskins will also be playing Kelvin Harmon and the old Steven Sims. Rookies, rookie receivers. These are, these are not players that should be so talented there's no way to handle them. If it's running cover six, quarter, quarter, half, put in the half to McLaurin's side, McLaurin's going to be the, he's going to be the, it's, you know, like, uh, the X receivers, receiver. he's going to be isolated, yeah. right? And if he's on or off line of scrimmage, it doesn't matter. You run the half to that side, you run quarters on the other side. The Eagles have done this successfully before. So that's something I, I would endorse as a response. And that allows you to let Sewell sit in cover two and Sewell will play cover two. because he's long and he's got good instincts, good ball, st- ball skills. So I think that that 
is a is a deployment I would expect on top of the invert cover two, which they'll definitely run as well with Sewell in there. Those would be the coverages that I would expect then that they, they put out there. And it's nice to not have to deal with a guy like Trey Quinn. You can be more chill with making sure you have to come up and, and we've talked about in the previous podcast, close and rally on the offense. Trey Quinn's that Cole Beasley type, you know, underneath separator, quick guy. He hasn't had that productive of a year, but that's the role he fills. Steven Sims isn't as threatening. Uh, so that's a good situation to be in. So that's a good addition to the uh, Washington offense first Eagles defense with what possibly could be a new reality for the Eagles and how they could adjust to that. As you mentioned, Paul Richardson, Trey Quinn confirmed out against the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Quentin Dunbar, the cornerback, was back at practice last show. We said maybe he'll get some red zone reps today. We'll see. He is back in a limited capacity dealing with that hamstring, so it's looking like... He's back? I thought he I thought he hadn't practiced at all this week. He hadn't, but today he was limited. Okay. And then with the Eagles, you're looking at Outlane Johnson, questionable Derek Barnett, Nelson Aguilar, Jordan Howard, and now Ronald Darby as well. So that's what we know on the injury front for this game. Ben, you want to dig right in to the preview of the Eagles offense against the Washington defense. And Ben, when I watched this defense from a schematic standpoint, I was really surprised. I mean, they got demolished in the very beginning of the season. Greg Minuski was a s'mores over an open fire, just melting. Like To start out, they allowed 32, 31, 31, 24, and 33 points in the first five weeks. And in our Eye on the Enemy offseason preview of Washington, I know I said that we could see like a total collapse from this defense and it would happen quick. And in the beginning, that's exactly what we saw to start out. And after that, they went three straight games under 20 points, including... And you were saying this to me before the show, holding San Fran to nine points in a zero to nine loss. They held the Vikings to 19 right around the time that the Vikings gashed the Eagles. And they have not been perfect. It just lit them up for 34 points in week 11, right? But overall, I really like the plan that they had in the Panthers game recently until they went prevent at the end. And then they had a pretty successful plan against the Packers last week, too. And against the Panthers, you saw a lot of sim pressure. Now, what does that mean, sim pressure? It means... Before the snap, Washington is putting numbers at the line. They're showing blitz. They can even take a step in, maybe engage for a half a second, and then bail out. And as such, you kind of have to alter your protection schemes a bit. The Eagles do this a lot when they have, like, Nigel Bradham step into the A-gap and bail, which helps Fletcher Cox get an extra half second to work his man until the slide comes his way, which it pretty much always does. As such, the Panthers had to keep Christian McCaffrey in as a blocker, and they did so. In fact, McCaffrey had the most pass-blocking reps he'd seen in a single game since Week 2. So they were able to limit his effectiveness, of course, later on in the game, as a receiver, and they also did a good job of winning with four guys anyway. So, like, Kyle Allen got sacked seven times in that game. Matt Ioannidis had two of them. He's been really productive lately. We talked about it on the previous show. Allen had one. Montez Sweat had two. Nate Orchard had one. Chris Odom had two. All edge and interior guys. And against the Packers, and they did a good job of mixing it up too, but there's a quote out there about the Packers being surprised about how much drop eight that Washington played. Montez Sweat, man. I mean, he dropped 25% of the time in that game. You got to do it with an 84-inch wingspan. Might as well put it in the middle of the field. <laughs> Kerrigan dropped 17% of the time. Ryan Anderson dropped 17% of the time. They had, they still had four sacks, even with a lower pressure rate. And they, were doing, they were doing some funky things. Like, I, I can't remember the last time I saw Washington bring, like, a corner blitz and then drop the guy on the other side. I think it was Kerrigan that they dropped on that one on third and nine. But they did some weird stuff. And for what we thought the game was going to be against Aaron Rodgers, it worked. Like, Aaron Rodgers had a bad game. Maybe his second worst game of the year. The worst being, you know, against the tough 
San Fran defense. So we can point and laugh at this Washington team, but they, as a defense, have only allowed 19 points per game in the last three outings, and defensive coordinator Greg Minuski is cooking up some good stuff. I mean, we thought this guy would be long-fired at this point in the season, but he's coached for a job right now. He's acquitted himself well after some near-catastrophic stumbles early on. Ben, did you kind of have the same feeling that I had watching the tape, or are you less enthused? What's his name? Greg Minuski. I'm saying it, Minuski. I don't care. That's what it is. Is it Minuski? Minuski. Minuski? It's Minuski. I don't care. You should. Minuski is more fun than Minuski. They don't say their names on the film, Ben, and that's what I'm grinding. Wow. Sorry, grinding the tape volume (laughs) off. (laughs) All 22 that aren't even talking anyway. Uh, Yeah, a couple things stand out. One, you brought up. The Washington Redskins this year, in terms of sacks created per game, are 7th in the league. 3.1 sacks per game. That's fantastic. Philadelphia is at 2.8. But in the last three games, Washington Redskins have 5.7 sacks per game. That is the best in the league. And so, firstly, that's bumping up their season-long numbers. But secondly, they've done a really good job getting pressure after the quarterback. Why? And this goes back to, I think, what you said in terms of simulated pressure, the Redskins have made a concerted effort in the recent we- in recent weeks. It would seem to say, "Listen, we've already got a bunch of Jonathan Allen, Ryan Anderson, even now Montez Sweat a little bit, which you kind of didn't, didn't necessarily expect when Montez Sweat was coming out." But so you have these guys. Um, when they had Casanova McKenzie, uh, he was unhealthy. He's unhealthy now. But when they had him early in the year, whatever. These are guys that can stand up and drop. Jonathan Allen is a guy who can play tackle to tackle. Mm. Let's move dudes around. And and because we, at the beginning of the season, they were not gen- generating turnovers at a consistent rate, which is the second thing I want to talk about. And they weren't generating sacks at a consistent rate. Mm. And then after those first couple of games, Eagles game, Cowboys game, and then the Bears game, where, where, where the Bears really walked them. They played like the Patriots. They like give a bunch of points or whatever. You can see in terms of expected points added. I mean, the defense in those first two games, <laughs> minus 18.7, minus 23.5. These are PFR's numbers. By the time we got to week three, minus nine, minus one, minus nine, plus eight, plus two, minus six, minus five, minus 10, plus eight, plus five, minus five. They've leveled out. That's that's average defense, which not overwhelming, but relative to the team is a big deal. And again, you go to DVOA. You're looking at a team that is 31st in overall DVOA. 31st in offensive DVOA, or excuse me, 32nd in offensive DVOA, and 19th in defensive DVOA. This team, this the, the saving grace of this football team is the defense. Now, it's average. couple things. One, they give up explosive plays. And they give up explosive plays because they don't have great corner play. Quentin Dunbar has been better than I think you could have you you expected from Quentin Dunbar. But at the same time, the reason you don't expect much of Quentin Dunbar is A, he hasn't been that good, and B, he's a wide receiver. Mm transitioning to quarterback and he's transitioned pretty nicely Two, josh norman's not it and then three which i know any redskins fans who are listening to this rah rah sispoon bought with me on this one why anyone in the name of god could watch fabian moreau struggle on the outside and be like what if you put him in the slot and to expect that to solve the problem <laughs> is like mind-boggling to yeah. me which if if that was manuski's idea i don't care what his defense does in the next few weeks fire him fabian Moreau's a big long corner who can't transition they put him in the slot what are you thinking <laughs> So that didn't work, and they were getting bled by slot receivers. And then Monte Nicholson, who's their typical free safety. Remember, Landon Collins was the acquisition this offseason. Monte Nicholson, this fourth-round pick out of uh, Michigan State, has become their deep safety. He takes 100% of the snaps, right? He's He and, and Landon Collins never leave the field. Nicholson, when he's playing single high, is a mixed bag. He's the mixedest of bags. Yeah. He makes a couple plays a game, and you're like, yes. <laughs> and he makes a couple plays a game where you're like, what in the name of God, dude? Uh, inconsistent tackler, inconsistent angles, but there's really a lot that's promising there. And so it's like, like you gotta, 
this is a situation where it feels like coaching could get this kid over the hump, and I'm just not sure he has yet. He's also dealt with suspension. There's, he's not necessarily the hardest worker, the hardest practicer from things we were told out of Michigan State, but he's inconsistent in the back middle. So you have bad back-end play deep, in my opinion. And accordingly, you're going to give up explosive passing plays when you're not able to generate pressure. And that's why the simulated pressures are so important is because they're able to generate quick pressure for you. You still drop seven and drop eight. Hard to complete underneath passes against this team. I think if you asked me what... Aaron Rodgers struggled with the most hmm. it was the ability to get to quick underneath stuff and you know he had to very frequently take what he was given on long and late downs on second and long downs and just they were constantly getting worked into third downs and like you know we talked about this with the Eagles nickel and dime offense really hard to string together three third down conversions on a drive it's just yeah. like statistically it's really really difficult so I think that that that, that was the case when they played the Panthers Kyle Allen had shots deep uh, yeah, um, Curtis Samuel opened twelve times. Yeah, yeah. DJ Moore opened five times. Yeah. I, you know what I mean. Uh, so it's 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 that question of are the Eagles going to be able to take deep one on one shots down the field? Now it's worth noting from an injury perspective, Quentin Dunbar is called a game time decision. Monte Nicholson's considered questionable with an ankle. Mm. Josh Norman's obviously got his illness thing. I have to imagine if Dunbar can't go, <laughs> they activate Norman, right? I mean, he's he's activated. He's he's been dressing. He just hasn't been playing because he's supremely overrated, as we've said on this show for, as we've said, you know, everywhere for the past three years. But we said when he got his deal in Carolina. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not good. Um. <laughs> so, okay, so here's your problem. If it's no Dunbar and it's no Norman, firstly, Moreau's back on the outside. Moreau's not a good football player. Jimmy Moreland's in the slot. Yep. And I liked Moreland coming out of JMU, seventh round pick, ton of fun, scrappy kid. He's small. He's what, 5'10, 179, soaking wet? Yeah, here's the thing. He's a good slot against Greg Ward. Right. If he has to get put out there on Zach Ertz or, <laughs> or, or, or Dallas Goddard, which yep. there's only one Landon Collins on the field, so you're only getting Landon Collins on one of them. Yep. If he's got to get another one, that's the problem. You got to cover Zach Ertz literally you cover could be Josh his Perkins. dad. Yeah, if, even, right, even like Josh Perkins is going to be in the slot. That's a great point, Mike. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Josh Perkins, a huge Josh Perkins moment. If he's going to get Moreland on him, because the whole thing is that you're a supersized wide receiver. Mm -hmm. If they read Perkins, if they read 13 personnel with Perkins as he's a slot receiver and put Moreland on him, they're going to get screwed. I mean, Perkins is going to run slants on him until he dies. You know, (laughs) Moreland's competitive. He'll win a couple, but like you're, you're physically limited. So all that's going to be said, if even if you get healthy Dunbar, if you're scrapping Norman, and then especially if you're scrapping Norman and Dunbar, then you're putting Simeon Thomas out here on the field. And Simeon Thomas took his first significant number of snaps in this past game against the 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 packers he's a 2016 2018 nfl draft 2018 nfl draft out of louisiana uh louisiana lafayette he is not good never heard of him he is a pack he's a practice squad this is this is this is josh hawkins amari <laughs> cooper he's not a good player that's yeah. okay he's a young player they're trying to develop him nothing wrong yeah but it's not a, it's not a good football player at this current stage as eagles fans very well know when you start putting multiple practice squad corners out in the field you tend to give up some 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 deep passes. So they're going to have to win with simulated pressure, and they're going to have to uh, be able to get Carson Wentz off his spot constantly. I hope the Eagles bring back a lot of the rollouts that they did against the Giants. That helps. It doesn't always negate sim pressure, because sometimes you roll into it and you're screwed. Mm. Um, but in the event that you, with play action, can create traffic jam where they're already trying to move around a lot of bodies, you can get really easy releases downfield. You can get really easy intermediate passes, which is nice. The other thing, and I want to know what, what the perspective you have on this is, this team should be better at stopping the run than they are. They're not a good run defense team. We, in my we've opinion. been talking about this for for two years. How do you have Matt Ioannidis, Deron Payne, 
Jonathan Allen, who like has been kind of underperforming, but still, how do you have an interior like that? Those three guys from tackle to tackle, why the hell can't you stop the run? And they're athletic too. Like it's, like, it's not like those big fat boys in New York. They can run. They can they can make plays outside of the core of the formation. I don't understand how why this team is so terrible against the run. The, it's the thing that has bothered me the most about this team over the last two years. I can't figure it out. Right. And now it's worth noting. So like Washington's given up a huge volume of rushing, but they also have the third most rush attempts against them per game in the league this year and that boils down to one thing when you're losing football games teams tend to run the ball on you but they're 24th right? in dvoa against the run <laughs> 24th in dvoa against the run they're 22nd in yards per attempt allowed right it's not a good run defense and and like i literally like if you asked me why my answer would be sometimes they miss tackles like it's like they're they're it's a it's a five two surface yep three four mm-hmm. got length and strength at all five spots you should be able to cover up five gaps you should be able to allow cole holcomb run and fill allow sean Dion hamilton's not a great ball player he's all right yeah. cole holcomb's been really impressive as a rookie but he's not necessarily the best i remember when we talked about holcomb uh, in the round one in uh, the the week one game yeah. holcomb's good running run and tackle guy sideline to sideline range if you get bodies on him he's still learning he's a smaller player uh nfl size obviously off the line are going to beat him up but like it's not the worst linebacking core the world's ever seen and then if you put landon collins in the box right. collins is a great He's he. I mean, Landon Collins has a ton of tackles up near the line of scrimmage because of how much he's dealing with the trash. I just think like unless they have DJ John Allen's not a good two gapper. Like I think my uh, Deron Payne is is not explosive enough to get outside of the B gaps. Matt Ioannidis is an average two gapper. I don't know. Like it's <laughs> on paper, right? It's you make a very good point. Like we've talked about this before. Anyway, so you say this, and then you go back and 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 uh, you reference the fact that I referenced the San Francisco game. Now the San Francisco game was held in a uh, monsoon. Um, but if you go and you look at what they did to San Francisco, just in terms of when you're dealing with that wide zone approach, because I was curious, right, big surface, gobble up double teams, let Holcomb and Sean Dion Hamilton run around the field and try to make plays. Relatively successful. Landon Collins as well, I, I should bring up. And and John Bostick, I, I, I should say. Bostick's a free agent. They're probably going to let him walk, but he's been solid for them in the middle of that defense as a, as a run defender to tackle to tackle. All right. So that So the San Francisco game, I think that, like, you know, I wanted to go see how they played the wide zone. They played it how I expected them to play it, and they played relatively well. Then I see 175 rushing yards allowed to the Detroit Lions in a game that was mostly a neutral game for the entire right. game. Right, Washington won this game 19-16. to 16. And This was also a game in which the Lions were dealing with injuries at the running back position because Carryon Johnson was already out. So they mostly got uh, a run from running back at Bo Scarborough. And you look... And you see that Jeff Driscoll ran nine times for 63 yards, okay, okay. right? And you go and you start understanding that this is a team that has given up some pretty significant chunk running games to quarterbacks on the ground. Mm. Undisciplined, quick to flow, not good at, at, at handling option looks. Mm. They let quarterbacks scramble a lot. And I think the, like part of the drop eight with Rodgers is he can't scramble as much against it. But when they're in man... They let you scramble. Yeah. You got to get Carson out of the pocket. Mm. I mean, have you seen, did you, did you see last week there were numbers on quarterbacks inside and outside the pocket? Oh, I missed that. Okay. Hang on. Let me, let me find it. Give me two seconds of yeah. non-podcast. And while you're, while you're looking that up, do you agree that scrambles should be counted as passing plays when you look at them from an analytical perspective? Well, sure. Count, they, they count as dropbacks. This yeah. is a dropback. We, we drop back to throw the football. Now. It's an extension of the passing game. I don't get why, like, design runs should be runs, but quarterback runs. Scrambles should be part of the, the the passing, you know, presentation of this is this is our passing attack because scrambling is baked into that, in my opinion. 
That way you don't have that confusion with the Washington run defense. So now here we are. Yeah. Philadelphia Eagles add on average just a little bit less than 0.3 EPA per play outside of the pocket. In other words, when the Eagles get outside of wow. the pocket, they are adding points to their score. That's a that's a good EPA on that. Okay, so if you want, I'll shoot. Uh, the, so the this is uh, I'll, I'll shoot this link out again. I want to write about this. Um, but this is Josh Hermsmeyer for five thirty eight who did this, and pretty much it shows that like teams who have better EPA, like have positive EPA outside of the pocket, are more likely to win football games than teams who do not, which makes sense. But like where the Eagles are in EPA outside of the pocket at at the time of the writing, five wins. Like they have roughly the same as like the Chiefs. They're better than the Chiefs who are at eight wins. Hmm. They're better than the Ravens who are at 10 wins. You know, they're roughly equal with like the Vikings and the Seahawks, both of whom are at eight and 10 wins at the time of writing. They're such a good team. EPA added a play for outside of the pocket. They just don't go outside of the pocket enough, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. To this point, Carson Wentz, outside of the pocket, has a passer rating of 94.4. Ask me the one passer who has a better passer rating than Carson. Outside of the pocket? Yep. Outside of the pocket. That could mean... Trick question. There isn't one. He is the best passer rating, or excuse me, best QBR, excuse me, best QBR, outside of the pocket of anyone in the league. Now, it's a 64.3 difference in his QBR <laughs> outside of the pocket versus inside of the pocket, which is one of, not the biggest, but one of the biggest deltas in the league. If you're dealing with, with, with a team who's going to bring pressure from depth, it's tricky. I get it. I understand. Because if you're having Carson come from under center, turn his back to the defense, turn around, he could get his head licked off by Landon Collins. I acknowledge that. But you don't have to run naked boot to get a dude outside of the pocket. Feel free to work him outside of the pocket with a blocker look on split zones. You have Dallas Goddard there to take Landon Collins' head off before he can go take Carson Wentz's head off. You can take him outside of the pocket on sprint out. You can take him outside of the pocket on design boots from the gun so he always has his eyes up. Let the dude move the pot. Just, I, I, just run slide protection more. Like the Eagles just go big on big with protection all the time. And I'm not going to tell Jeff Stoutland how to do his job. That is the last person I'm going to tell how to do his job. <laughs> but get him outside the pocket. Yeah. Because this team is really bad at defending the quarterback run. They are undisciplined. So run read option. Get Carson outside the pocket. Let him scramble. And again, like in the weeks up to this podcast, as we've been saying, get Carson outside of the pocket, hide outside of the pocket, whatever, whatever. Well, now it's like, listen, you got to win this game. So you, the next game matters. If there was a time to get the young man outside of the pocket, um, it's not Monday. <laughs> it's today. Uh, so I think it makes a lot of sense for the Eagles to work Carson Wentz on design running plays and getting him outside of the pocket. But especially it's true against the Redskins for these reasons. All right. So when we get back, we're going to finish up our preview of the Eagles offense against Washington's defense. That's coming up next here on the Kiston Solak Show right after these messages from our sponsors. Here it comes. Why are you doing this? Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We are back here on the Kiss and Select Show, episode one. 59. Yeah, 159. 
Benjamin Solak, I'm Michael Kist, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation. On the Kist and Solak Show 158, during the injury update portion of the show, brother, we talked about Ryan Kerrigan. Did you? We didn't even mention it yet. Ryan Kerrigan is done for the season. Did you see this? No, I didn't, but that's big sad. Yeah, because like he's not going to get that seven and a half sacks that you were lobbying for earlier. It's just shame. Okay. Guy's an Iron Man. I mean, yeah, it was 139 consecutive games starting. But... That's a big boon for Big V and the Eagles. And when you look across the line, I mean, we mentioned how well Matt Ioannidis is playing. Well, normally you'd say, oh, okay, tough interior lineman. It's going to be a test for Isaac Siamalo. No, not exactly. Ioannidis, at least from the film that I've watched, is going to be more so in the vicinity of Brandon Brooks more often than not. So that's a plus. The matchup between Deron Payne and J- Jason Kelsey, that should be fun. Advantage Kelsey, in my opinion. And then you're going to get a lot of Isaac Siamalo. He's going to see Jonathan Allen. And look, Siamalo's been up and down and all of... What are you doing, Ben? It's for Ryan Kerrigan. It's Amazing Grace on the backpipes. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Isaac Siamalo's had some good games, some bad games. Uh, I thought he had a very good game against this Washington team in week one. And Allen is having, like we said, a, a little bit of a disappointing season in my eyes relative to his talent. But as I say relative to his talent, I'm hitting at the fact that this dude is capable of giving Siamalu some issues. So that's the key matchup for me because I'm really not too concerned elsewhere. Like Montez Sweat had those two sacks a couple weeks ago and whatnot, and he's looked better. But he hasn't really looked like that dynamic edge rusher that would really concern me. And with no Kerrigan against Big V... Like, you feel a lot better about being able to protect Carson and giving him time to to find out, you know, uh, what, what what kind of defense that Washington is playing, whether they're dropping eight or they're bringing guys from pressure, they're bringing a nickel from one side and dropping to the other and whatnot, and just kind of giving him time to survey the field and kind of do his thing. What do you think about the, the trenches? What do you think about the matchups in there? Frog stance. When we're two-gapping, we're in frog stance. Yeah. And this, this means we have two hands down in the dirt, and we got two feet in the dirt, four. We have our feet are even. They are not staggered. This is important. Our feet are even. We look like a little frog. We're ready to hop. Butt down, head up. Good. We're two gapping. Zero technique, Duran Payne. Head up on the center, zero technique. He's right over Jason Kelsey's face. Payne over Kelsey. Payne should have the power to give Kelsey troubles. He never has. Matt Ioannidis, Jonathan Allen, four techniques. Head up on the tackles straight face mask to face mask the reason we're in this stance even feet even hands is we're two gapping so we're going to read and 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 immediately react to the movement of this guy we're head up on we're going to get hands inside of his chest we're going to lock out and we're going to be responsible for the gaps on either side of us so Payne's got both the a gaps uh ionitis and allen have both the b gaps and then the c gaps outside of them this is two gapping this is, a, this is the way that you want to do it in a three-man three front. This is the way that you want to be able to control multiple gaps with one player. And this frees up your linebackers to be run, run, flow, and hit. And this is why Ruben Foster was so good for this team. Why Cole Holcomb is enjoying success for this team. Mm-hmm. As a pass rusher, if you don't know it's third and 15, I mean, they're gonna if it's first and 10, you're in a frog stance. They're going to put you in even feet, two gapping. And so when, when the offensive lineman comes off the ball, you do not have the same explosiveness as a one-gapping player who's just responsible for penetrating a gap, Fletcher Cox, lined up as a three-tech. He's coming upfield in between the guard and the tackle. Doesn't matter run, pass, doesn't matter what the offensive lineman does. He's going to go win that gap at the snap. Two gappers don't have this luxury of being able to move with that immediacy, to move with that, that to, to, to penetrate that aggressively. And accordingly, they're going to come slower off the line. They're going to immediately look to engage the offensive lineman, and they're not going to be penetrating, and their pass rush isn't going to be as fast. And so on regular downs 
first and 10, second and six, even second and long. So we know the Eagles like to run in second and long, don't we, Michael? Even then, it's not going to be as quick of a pass rush. And so this is why these, this, this system, these, these, these interior defensive linemen, they're just not going to generate the same sacks that you might expect from elite defensive tackles. Like, you know, Jonathan Allen was drafted at roughly the same area as Fletcher Cox was drafted in his draft, but Eagles ask Fletcher Cox to do a lot more as a pass rusher. The, the Redskins don't ask that of Jonathan Allen. So your concerns when you're looking at Sayamalo matching up head to head, the the primary concern that you have is going to be what is going to be the case when this line slants? What's going to be the case when, when they run games? What's going to be the case when they twist and they pull? Because you're going to get slants into the B-gap on Sam Malo. You're going to get simulated pressure and guys crashing. And you're going to have games between Peters and Sam Malo, which we noted on the Giants game. Once again, Sam Malo and Peters struggles exchanging games. So with two gapping defense linemen, you can still slant. You can still twist. You can still stunt when you're expecting pass. And when you're expecting run, run stunts. Very real thing. Go win yourself a gap. And it's a way to keep offensive linemen guessing. So the concerns come more from the schematic perspective because these these interior defensive linemen are too gapping. They're not going to win with pressure. The ones you got to watch out for are Montez Sweat and Ryan Kerrigan on the outside. With Ryan Kerrigan out for the season and with Casanova McKenzie out for the season, uh, who I keep bringing him up, but he played some really good ball. I mean, it's going to be Ryan Anderson as a potential outside pass rusher, which should not worry no. anybody. Yeah. Um. And then that other cat, whatever his name is. Nate Orchard. There's Odom. 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 Odom, Odom as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah had a couple um, but he didn't play any, He didn't play any snaps last week. So I like it's, yeah. it's they're going to be Ryan Anderson, Nate Orchard, and, and Chris Odom. And th- those are not intimidating pass rushers off the edge. So the Eagles should have an advantage five over five in the trenches, in my opinion. All right, Ben. Let's get to the DraftKings Sportsbook official line. It has not changed since we spoke a couple hours ago. Of course, we, we recorded these uh, pretty close together. What what was the what was the score that you gave me before? It was seventeen to like 20, twenty-two to seventeen. Twenty-three seventeen. Okay, I said that Washington would score ten points in this game. I have not changed my mind since then. Twenty-three is like, mmm, mmm. It's tough, man. Washington is playing. You you go first. What do you think? It's weird because I so firstly for the Washington score, I have to stop projecting teams are going to kick field goals against the Eagles because they score from like forty yards out. So it's not like they're like going to do field goal things. So like Washington, I think is going to get ten, and Philadelphia, I think gets. It's tough because I think that I I keep projecting the team playing the Eagles to get field goals, and they don't really kick field goals because the Eagles either stop them or give up a deep touchdown. Uh, they're going to give up deep touchdowns uh, to, to Terry McLaurin. Maybe only one. I'll give the Redskins 10 points as well. Maybe 13. Uh, but for the Eagles, yeah, 17 or 20 is going to be a low score. It's not going to be fun to watch. It's going to feel ugly. You're going to have to sweat it for 60 minutes. Eagles should be able to win the game. Give me 20 to 10 Eagles. Oh, man. I was going to go 21 to 10. That's a big, it's a big golf. Not sure there could be any bigger golf than that one. So we are way far apart on this one. 21-10 for the Eagles is my... My prediction, I agree. I think it's going to be an ugly game, and I think people are going to be upset because I don't think they realize uh, that this Washington defense is uh, capable and uh, capable of hanging in some games. Of course, the Eagles just—I mean, the lack of the lack of weapons—but we we know what it is. It shouldn't surprise us anymore. Right. So that's going to do it for the preview of the Washington football team against the Philadelphia Eagles. Now that we've covered both sides of the ball, Ben, any last words for the gentle listeners before we hit the old dusty trail for the week? Or you could just say goodbye to him. It's up to you, bud. Dealer's choice. Looking at the notes. Zach Ertz has historically been pretty good against Landon Collins. Mm -hmm. Also, Ertz is, I believe it's like seven catches away from setting the record for most catches for a tight end in their first seven seasons. Jason Witten currently holds it. 
Um, I would love for him to get six so that when we play the Cowboys next week, he can break it in front of Jason. Um, <laughs> but Ertz has historically been good against Landon. Yeah. Uh, interested to see if that keeps going. John Bostic is bad at play action. Yep. Robert Davis, touchdown. <gasps> I have my, I gave the Eagles two touchdowns? Yeah, sure. Robert Davis, touchdown. Ooh. That's my bold prediction. Wouldn't you just love to see some young players yet again step up and play a key part in an Eagles win? No. Because <laughs> if Robert Davis does anything good, we have to spend a whole week being like, why did the Eagles not see this kid on the Washington Redskins practice squad in the preseason and decide to keep Nelson Aguilar? Which, like, I hear you. I honestly do. Yeah. Over this guy. But here's the thing. Robert Davis touchdown. Why? For fun. Exactly. Then we can spend an entire offseason talking about the viability of Robert Davis as a... Uh, I'm so Robert. excited in February. People like, the Eagles don't need Henry Ruggs. They have Robert Davis. <laughs> Did you see that one That one pass? We can do the Matt Collins thing. We have one, one yes, touchdown wait, against the Washington. Redskins. That was against the Redskins. Right. All right. The Redskins are officially the one-pass team. Yes. One 60-yard touchdown to Robert Davis. Oh, God, how I hope it happens. <laughs> To keep it going, keep the chatter going for three years. All right, Ben, say goodbye to the gentle listeners. Do it. You don't have a choice this time. Wow, I've had a choice before? Just do it. No, I gave you the, the choice. You, you took your choice. You had more notes. Now that eliminates no, that was, one of that the two was choices. Much it. That was all I wanted to get through. So you have, um, not, it's not one, you, if you have one choice, you don't have a choice. It's just one I also thing. Had a, I also had a joke to make about Monte Nicholson, but I won't make it. Thank okay. you, as always, for listening to the Kiss and Soul Action here on BGN Radio. We appreciate you swinging by. Uh, the Eagles offense, Redskins defense, a tough, likely low-scoring and gritty game we expect, but a win puts you in to the competition for the NFC East. Just need an invitation to the dance, baby. Just give me to Dallas. Week 16 game against Dallas will pre for all the marbles. If the Eagles do beat the Redskins. So this was the Eagles offense against the Redskins defense. We have a similar preview for the other side. Eagles defense, Redskins offense. That already came out. So if you didn't listen to that one, make sure you do. So you're fully ready for the game on Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern. If you enjoyed the show, please go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcast. For the regular listeners who know, we do have a bit of a review competition going where we would like as many total BGN radio reviews as the Eagles receivers have receiving yards cumulatively this season, mm. uh, which is hilarious and also very sad. Uh, so good luck to us on that. And if you guys, like I said, we already have a few reviews in there that very simply say, uh, closing the gap, butts for reviews, I think was another one that yeah. I said, which was pretty good, butts for reviews. Um, but either way, if you enjoy the show and you haven't yet reviewed, please do. It helps us out a ton. It's also a lot of fun. He's been Benjamin Solak on Twitter. Oh, at Benjamin Solak. Please. That's S-O-L-A-K. I've been Michael Kiss on Twitter. I'm Michael Kiss on KST. Post-game show, Sunday. Make sure you join us. We all we got. We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly! P-G-N. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.